Welcome or welcome back to Backstage at the Customer Experience. I'm your host, Kathleen Peterson, founder and chief vision officer of Powerhouse Consulting. I've spent more than 30 years in the contact center industry. I've seen a lot having worked with some of the world's top customer-focused companies across multiple industries. I speak very candidly pretty much about everything, and in particular, everything to do with the customer experience. From the C-level to the cube level, I've explored what it takes for contact centers to deliver a five-star performance. This podcast is designed to share some insights, tell some stories, and put some structure around achieving that five-star rating, and have some fun while we're doing it. I'm joined today by Hannah Karamnukian. She is Powerhouse's Director of Marketing and Operations to discuss this topic. And this question, this is from an agent's perspective. Here's what I can do now. Strategic communication for the front line. Hello, Hannah. How are you today during this pandemic? <laughs> Hello, Kathleen. I am. I'm doing well. You know, it's it's a good day today, and I'm I'm very happy to be here. And I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Well, I think it's timely. I think in the world that we are living in, there's an enormous uh, opportunity for us to make sure that we're focused on agents getting the skills that they need to navigate the situation that we're in, mm -hmm. which is unique and it's disruptive and people are starting to create a new normal. But even within the context of that, it occurs to me, um, particularly when I have a really good experience. Uh, I had to call an insurer of mine the other day and I honestly was bracing myself for the call, you know, get a cup of coffee because mm -hmm. it's probably going to take a long time for them to answer, have all my documents in front of me, make sure I'm ready to defend myself. And uh, I called because a, a, a prescription that I had been on for a while had been denied. So I'm all prepared for something awful. And then a woman who introduced herself to me as Miss Alex, which I thought was kind of cute. Uh, <laughs> after I explained the situation to her, the first thing she said to me was, I'm going to take ownership of this issue right now. It's my job to take care of our patients. And I thought everything in my argument had been immediately deflated. <laughs> I was you like, just oh, start to melt. Into okay, Miss Alex, thank you. <laughs> melt right into those virtual arms. <laughs> and when you're done with that, can you help me with some other stuff? Um, and it was just really interesting. I mean, I had talked to my doctor. I had talked to the pharmacy. But when I talked to Miss Alex, she did have to go do some research. And she said, I will call you back. She called me back within 30 minutes. She had solved the problem, understood the issue. The pharmacy had put it through with the wrong dosage. That had been resolved, and it was waiting for me at Walgreens. Well, just even think, like, healthcare in general is a sensitive topic to be calling about to begin with. You're, you're nervous. You might be scared, frustrated, sad, whatever the case may be. But then put COVID on top of it, and we're extra sensitive when we get calls specifically healthcare. You know, and for her to just take ownership, as she said, that must have felt great. 
<laughs> I, I would recommend. I don't want to. I don't want to diminish her significance by calling this a line, but you know, it's as good a line as any. You know, I don't want to relate it to a pickup line, but if you think about it, <laughs> it was really, uh, yeah, the fact that she spoke with confidence and enthusiasm enhanced my perception of their brand. Sure. Because right. she not only um, took ownership very early of the issue, she also got the information she needed. She made whatever calls she needed to make, and she was able to resolve it within a very short period of time. Completely blew me away, honestly. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're right. Healthcare is a place where um, no one wants to call. Sure, exactly. For the most part, they really have no interest in being on the phone with you. And when we deal with specialty environments, in particular, people have likely already have a diagnosis they need. It's not generally good news. Right. You know, I guess unless you're going to a plastic surgeon, in which case <laughs> <laughs> you may come out better on the other side. Um, but I think when we look at the power of the frontline agent to engage the caller and start thinking and structuring their development around here's what I can do now, regardless of the absurdity of some people's requests, we can push that aside fairly quickly with an agent saying, here's what I can do now. I can get you this, this, or the other thing. I might not be able to, and you never say, well, I can't give you what you want, but here's <laughs> what I'd like to offer. A lot of people have too many words to share fewer words targeted messaging moves not only moves a call forward it controls that call absolutely so no. as we're empowering people we should have programs with headlines like here's what i can do now let's take a scenario Remember the other day, Hannah, in my office, I found those cards from oh, gosh, um, yes. from from a seminar uh, that I did for a, a, a retail operation that sold. You know, it was really it was like a, the Best Buy of yesteryear, and the scenarios that these folks had written on an index card, because like many other people during this period, I'm going through a lot of old stuff. And I came across these cards and it was just so interesting to see the questions that these uh, participants in what we had called a business communication course, a strategic business communication seminar, um, were really, how do I explain this situation? How do I explain X? One of these situations was extended warranties were being sold on uh, electronics in the store and of course, the store personnel were promising that no matter what happened to it, it would be covered by the warranty, which, of course, <laughs> left the contact center with the job of explaining to them that that was not necessarily the case. <laughs> so even in that scenario, here's what I can do now. I can take $25 off the repair. I can, you know, escalate it to make sure that it gets fixed quickly. So using scenarios from a training and a developmental perspective helps to structure the agent's ability to use that phrase 
here's what I can do now. They're not going to say, here's what I can do now. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I am neither empowered nor allowed. Or the, the great line that uh, I forget who first used it, but it was, uh, I'm only authorized to apologize. I love that one. <laughs> and, it, you know, is it good enough? I don't think so. I think that there's always something that you can do to create at the very least a perception of feeling taken care of, you know, uh, an apology, you know, may not hold much weight if there's nothing else behind it. Right. It's like, well, I'd love to help you, but I just can't. So that, that doesn't <laughs> make anybody feel any better. But when we're talking about this, I think we have to also consider what is the communication and experience level of the people we're hiring? Very often we hire, we might hire people right out of high school. Now mm -hmm. imagine someone coming out of high school in the years, you know, from 2015 forward. What has their social communication experience looked like? And how does it replicate what we're going to be asking them to do in a contact center, in a customer care environment? They can't use emojis. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> LOL, right. BRB. Yeah. Right. You actually have to use uh, vowels and consonants. To use Thumbs full, down. Full word. Right, exactly. But people have this, we're, we're engaging now with generations of folks whose social environment has, I'm not sure what level of conversation they have been educated in or experienced with, particularly when it comes to problem solving. Sure. And you it know, really, it's a skill to be learned. It, and I think we have to, as, as, you know, industry uh, professionals and as leaders within contact centers, I think we have to do a much better job of educating people on how to communicate on the fact that strategic communication is not the same as hanging out with your friends yes. uh, <laughs> and that it actually has structure and it has, it has uh, learning opportunities and it has predictable outcomes and right. they're not just, you know, these things don't just enhance your professional persona. They will enhance your personal persona. But here's what happens in a lot of cases that I see. And you know, tell me what, whether I'm wrong. No, never mind. Don't tell me. <laughs> Are you I don't, sure? I don't, I don't react to that. <laughs> Are you sure? Um, where was I going? Um, the, the agents come into training. So we have new hire training. And look at your new hire training curriculum. And if it starts with here's how you log into x y or z system you really need to take a step back from that and you need to ask yourself is this really the first message i want to give them when we're training people we have to have a structure for engagement 
we need to bring them into the brand, bring them into the vision, bring them into the customer experience. What are the objectives? What business are we in? There are people who really have very little information about even the business that they're in. Sure. So we, we need to make sure that as we evaluate our training, ask yourself, how much does our training look like the job? That's a great question. It's an important you, question. Yeah, I mean, you know, the job doesn't take your system activities separate and apart from your from your interaction skills. The interaction skills and the transaction skills happen simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And yet, training curriculum takes these poor souls sometimes just through these screenshots or, uh, you know, and I hate to say this, but a lot of people don't even have the uh it's not a playpen it's a uh, it's a sandbox they don't even have a sandbox of their applications that their training population is able to engage with so they're using screenshots and they're using demos but hands-on uh is not necessarily happening as much as it should be until they're nesting so we've got a situation where we're doing this separate siloed education. So here's the systems. Next, they go to products and services. And oftentimes, I think it's like, well, if we'll if we have time, we'll get right. to the community, we'll get to the, the customer service skills, you know, that's an hour module that we like to throw in. Almost you know. as though there's an assumption that this is common sense, and people know it. And why would we train on it, where it's a skill to be learned and developed and improved upon continuously. I think that's exactly right. It's it's an assumption that is distorted. Quite, mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I, I, I think, don't... It, when I think about my kids getting out of high school and I think, hmm, how would they characterize a great customer experience? I think if their drive through order was correct, they would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, not, that's not five star. You know, right. if you want people to provide a five star um, experience, we should be looking at how we put this forward to people, how we talk to them or structure uh, the communication skill development. And I've sort of separated it into sort of three categories. Uh, communication, which the definition of communication is the exchange of ideas. Negotiation is the process of dealing with another to reach an agreement. And then motivation. And motivation is the basis for any action. Mm -hmm. So when we start engaging our, um, our teams with communication that is strategic, not just benign customer service recommendations like you should use the caller's name at least three times and then they go well hannah i'm so glad to call today because hannah we have something for you <laughs> now hannah so boom there's my three okay don't have to worry about that Done. again yeah, exactly. oh, past that i was in a call center once where um and forgive me if I've already told you this story, where the, the young agent is in an insurance company, denies a claim, customer has a hissy fit, settles that, 
still denied. At the end of the call, he says, now, is there anything else I can help you with today? Well, the guy goes right off again because he couldn't help me with what I called you for in the first place. <laughs> so I said to him after the call, I'm just curious, why would you ask that question? He looked at me, goes, oh, five points. Oh, my gosh. Five points on the quality form. You know, I'm not going to give that up for, you know, it's like logic <laughs> takes a vacation. I'd rather those five points than, you know, I, the angry customer doesn't matter to me. The, you know, that five points, that's what matters. Right. The fact that it makes absolutely no sense to ask that question right. is meaningless to the people who structured the program, which really is troubling to me. And that's not communication. We have a customer experience um, commerce you know, basically people are making decisions based on the experiences that they have. So when we have experiences that fail, we are doing, you know, that, that does damage to the brand, which may make us think about taking a different avenue. And Loyalty. sharing with our friends, you well, know, there's that stat that I think I was talking to you about that American Express published that t on average, consumers tell 21 friends about a bad service experience yeah, and like, and like you had said I don't know if I have 21 friends to tell but, <laughs> but I might have 20,000 when I put it on LinkedIn absolutely or I put it on Facebook or I put it on Twitter there you so, go you know now those statistics of how many bad and the other thing I think is humans are inclined to tell the bad story yes it's it really and especially in the world we're in today because oh boy being being beaten up by the you know forces beyond my control are lending that to anybody who doesn't give me what I want <laughs> I'm a consumer of it's like what is wrong with you it's me help I'll me. take the time to fill out the survey about a bad experience more than a great one exactly but, yeah or, or you know so we have to be Provi providing our uh, our teams with the kind of skills that they need. So when we talk about uh, communication as an exchange of ideas, there's a solution-driven dialogue that needs to really be taking place. And they have to be able to listen. And listening, a lot of times you'll look on a quality form and it'll say, you know, oh, they, they listened, but listening should be broken down into, into behaviors. Yes. And I, uh, am I offering feedback? Can I ask, you know, questions for clarification? Can I summarize what the caller, how the caller defined their issue? Right. Did I hear their perception of the issue, not my perception of the issue? You know, they're, they're struggling with, getting access to something and you say, well, it's a password problem. And to them, that might not be the problem, you know, so their version right. of the story. And I think that's a good point because when they say, if I, I, I had to call someone, I, the only reason I was calling them was because of failure on the website. Mm -hmm. So I would never have had to call if that failure hadn't occurred. And those are you know not exactly brand enhancing contacts no matter how effective the agent is so we also have a communication opportunity to inform other people 
that we have a failure on a promo code. We have a fail because now the agents are building up uh, evidence that this is not just an individual uh, problem. This is, you know, a bigger problem. So it's not yeah. just, I think it becomes communication on, on multiple levels. But the other thing I think I was thinking when you talked about listening for what the real issue is, my issue sometimes with when I have to call is that you take, this is taking more time than it should. Mm -hmm. This is taking time away from me. I'm not being productive. You're stealing from me in a way because, you know, you can't make any more time. We have it's a very finite situation. Um, so being able to say to a caller, because you listened, you can, you know, say, Geez, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry this is taking longer than you anticipated. And they may never have said that, but the fact that you can extract it and provide indications that it's time to move on, as opposed to somebody using language like, you have to calm down. <laughs> I'm just trying to do my job. I mean, that one really, really irritates me. Or um, it should. It should do sh this, like the shoulds. <laughs> well, you know what they say. <laughs> no, what did they? I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> you can should all over yourself, but oh, it really doesn't usually get you anywhere. <laughs> the very, it's a, should is the least powerful word in the English language, if you ask me, because it's not, it's not defined. Yeah. You know, you should know that. I mean, if an agent says to me, well, you shouldn't, you should have known that. So how, I, I'm really, I'm off the <laughs> deep end at that, po at, at, at that point already. It's like, you know, when someone says, if an agent uses the word you, unless they're in sales, the word you shouldn't be there. You have to understand what's your, what's your gut response to someone saying you have to understand no i don't exactly <laughs> and i think, and i feel like i'm a pretty agreeable person but i just want to say no i don't don't tell me what to do well i'm not sure i'm going to go along with the first part of that no, you're a very agreeable person as am i i become disagreeable however when my needs are not being met sure. um you know and we have to really look at the ability, if we can't exchange ideas, and that's a chronic condition in our current um, universe right now, I would say, uh, then we're going to have escalations and we're going to lose control of the call. Well, I think you just said something interesting right there where you just, you used the word we. That right there, it's, it's a collective partnership on this call. We are going to get through this. Right, exactly. We, I, we can work this out together. Now we're on the same side of the of the fence, mm -hmm. as opposed to someone saying, well, "I'm really frustrated," and you say, "I understand your frustration." Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I want to say to them, "I understand your concern," mm -hmm. because I, in one word, I change not. I change the intensity of the situation by moving that condition from frustration to concern, which gets me closer to clarity, which has a higher likelihood of us being successful. And if we can't communicate and exchange ideas, the notion of negotiation or the process of dealing with another to reach an agreement, and in the context under today, a lot of the environments are complex and we need to reach an agreement. Whether I'm processing an order, a return, scheduling an appointment, 
whatever I'm doing, solving a problem, I'm looking to make sure that we are both on the same page when when the call when the contact comes to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we try to uh, push people to do things faster, sometimes that comes across in the communication because the agent is feeling under the gun to go faster, to produce a shorter call. And we wind up then with uh, errors and rework and, and things that actually hurt motivation. So if we look at communication, negotiation, the motivation is the basis for action. So have, am I trained enough to be motivated to produce this customer experience for this company? Am I being treated in a way? Have I been trained? If people are in an environment with no job discretion, so they have no discretion about what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, being able to handle uh, calls to the end, if there are a lot of transfers and and handoffs, that's a motivation disruptor disruption or it's it's negative motivation motivation is not just in one direction Mm -hmm. so we've got to make sure that the there is coaching and uh reinforcement of not just the behaviors but reinforcement of how the behaviors support the experience asking questions like help me understand how that response you gave the caller met our customer experience objectives. If coaches are not coaching to the interaction specifically, it is unlikely that they're actually going to enjoy an improvement of that person's skills. Because if the person had the skills, they could pinpoint for themselves what they needed to improve. The coach's job is not only to pinpoint it, but to contextualize it in the brand, in the experience factors, so that they are reinforcing those business drivers at every level of the organization. And honestly, people become you know more motivated when they're empowered. Let them make decisions about refunds. Let them you know resolve issues. S- s- reduce those handoffs and those transfers out because you're leaving people feeling that they can't accomplish a task. And that is devastating to uh, the motivation of the ambitious and the talented. Now, you know, if you don't have any of those people, you should be just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, Well, you brought up a good point too, when you spoke about, you know, the coaching to certain qualities versus coaching to, Um, the speed of a call that then leads the agent to speed up the call to try and meet that metric or target, which comes across in the experience with the customer, you know, that they feel that rush and then they're not going to feel that great when they get off the call, which then they'll share with their 21 friends. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So I, I think when we look at this, we've got a lot of opportunities to improve our agent's ability to communicate and interact, uh, our ability to enrich the customer experience because we're focusing on helping people learn to be effective communicators. And we structure an organization that empowers them 
to have job discretion enough to feel motivated to embrace these uh, learning opportunities. I wish we had more time, but I think we're just about ready to wrap it up. Any final thoughts, Hannah? No, I mean, I think, as always, I think we could go on and on and on about this topic. <laughs> so. We could. And, and please write to us if you'd like the two or three hour podcast, because we'd be happy to, <laughs> we'd be happy to go for it. Uh, anyway, thank you, Hannah. Uh, any comments, thoughts, questions, you can address those to us at info at powerhouse one. That's the digit one dot com. And uh, we look forward to our next interaction and being together again. And in the meantime, stay safe and be well.